are listening to the Batflip Podcast, a baseball podcast from Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Damian and Matt. Welcome back, everyone, to the Batflip Podcast. My name is Damian here with my co-host, Matt. We are coming to you on June 8th of 2021. This is going to be episode 39 of the podcast. Uh, you know, this, this week, actually today, for some teams, starts marking the 60-game season. Uh, or 60 game mark of the season, I should say, where as in last year, that would be the completed season. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at kind of what our predictions were preseason to what they're looking like now for all the major awards in the ALNL and sort of look at what the, uh, what the playoffs last season's playoff format would look like today. Um, and then say what the today's format would actually look like. Uh, but before we jump into all that, let's bring in Matt and how you doing, Matt? Doing pretty good. I'm actually uh, doing this from my new house, which uh, I'm excited about. And uh, there's not a lot of background noise here, which is good for for podcasting. And uh, I'm I'm really excited. And I uh, been watching baseball this week, a little bit of basketball, a little bit of everything. So uh, I'm uh, definitely definitely excited and uh, you know ready to talk about this. this is, I think we got some interesting stuff to talk about today. So yeah, we do. I've been I've been kind of turned off of basketball now that the Lakers are out but what's been really interesting is this college world series between not just baseball but also softball like yeah. they have been some insane games some insane stories gladly gladly Alabama got beaten both so yes both gladly although Nick Saban signed an extension through 2029 so I'm not happy about that I'm not I'm not I'm not scared yeah. you know what? I'm not scared but just not happy <laughs> which means they're gonna keep being good yeah but let's go ahead and jump into to kind of what the you know what the standings are looking like now and how that would revert to the playoff format of last year and then what it's kind of looking like this year. Um, so right now the the best team in baseball is the Tampa Bay Rays at 38 and 23. Um, so they would be the number one seed, obviously. But how the playoffs would line up would be Tampa Bay, Boston, Chicago, Cleveland, Oakland, and Houston. And then the two wildcard teams would be Toronto and New York. So the AL East would have four playoff teams in the old format. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. I think we actually had the NL Central have that last year, which was interesting because the NL Central was not very good, but it was so competitive that with no interdivision play last year, it ended up being the being the case. But uh, interesting stuff there. Um, you know, I think Tampa was the one seed last year, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, you know, even with some of the losses they've had, some of the gains they've had, um, you know, they've, they're still really good. And, uh, you know, I was just looking at their stats. They have a 23 and 10 record away from home, which is, uh, which is pretty crazy. Um, you know, we talk about Boston, how good they've been so far. They had possibly, I think the second worst record in the league last year. So, um, you know, everyone's talked about how bad they were last year, but they've been really good. Uh, the pitching's come around some, in fact, I believe, um, they said yesterday uh, that Chris Sell was looking like he might come back and pitch out of the bullpen some coming up, which is interesting. It sounds a little bit like what, you know, back in the day what uh, John Smoltz did and became one of the best closers in the league after being such a good starter um, after a Tommy John surgery. But, uh, you know, the AL East, look at the Blue Jays, still really good. Um, the Yankees, you know, I think they'll be fine. I think it's really interesting to, to look at this 60 game because last year this like like you said this is this was the season last year and you know looking at some of the teams who's up there who's not you know the two teams that are were pretty much picked as the top two teams in baseball coming into the season both of them and spoiler alert for the nationally both of them would be wild card teams right now so i just think it's interesting to, to look at how that how small a sample size 60 games is and how you know things are going to change so much before the end of the season, but uh, very, very interesting there. Yeah. For, so like you were talking about Boston, I don't think anybody really expected Boston to be this good so far. And I kind of wanted to, to get your thoughts on this a little bit. Do you think that's a huge thing because of Alex Cora? Like, do you think he brought that clubhouse back? Like he had the, the, uh, the clubhouse there, obviously when they went to the world series and all that, then the whole scandal comes out, they fire him. And then after this, they put Ron Renicki in as like a lame duck manager, pretty much. Nobody, everybody knows he's not going to be back. And then they rehire Alex Cora, and now they're good again. Yeah, 
it's hard to say. I think the players do like Alex Cora, and, and, and he and certainly couldn't hurt. But I think that this is a team that last year just had they, – they just had the, the, a, a perfect storm of bad things happen to them that kept them from, from being really good. I mean, you look at some of the te- some of the guys they had out last year, and uh, you know, especially on the mound, uh, and, and they've made their bullpen better too. So there's a lot of things that they've done. I mean, they they have a really good lineup, and they had a good lineup last year. I mean, you look at Xander Bogarts, you look at uh, you Dev- uh, Devers, you look at Verdugo in the outfield, and then uh, JD Martinez, and you know, JD Martinez is a guy that you know last year he really didn't have all that great of a year. And I mean, I think that might have been a little bit of small sample size as much as anything, but I think it's just kind of a perfect storm. And then on the mound, you know, they didn't have Eduardo Rodriguez last year, who's who's one of their top pitchers. Ivaldi's pitched really well this year. I mean, they've got some guys. I mean, Martin Perez was their ace last year, and you know, this year they've got two guys that are you know better than Martin Perez that are up top of the rotation. It looks like they might get sell back for uh, to, to what extent we're not sure, but. Uh, this is a team that, you know, they've gone from Brandon Workman closing games to having, you know, some some young guys step up in their bullpen and be a lot better. Um, I mean, I think this is a team that I think they're legit. I, I don't know if they're going to be the, the team that I don't know if they're going to stay second in this division all year. But I, I do like this team a lot. And I like a lot of their pieces, especially uh, especially on the infield. I, I think they've got a really good roster. So, yeah, I wonder if it's a little bit of like a more on top of it, a little bit of addition by subtraction. You know, they had, they got rid of like Mookie Betts before last year. Now he, obviously he's not an addition by subtraction, but also Jackie Bradley Jr. You know, he was so so good defensively, but he really didn't bring much to the offensive side. Andrew Benintendi, they traded this year. While they haven't got much in return from that, maybe it's given them room to play other guys a little bit more. So it is weird. I mean, nobody really thought that this team would be this good and, and, a lot of factors have went into it, but looking at you know some of the core pieces that they had during that World Series run, now they're not on the team, and a year and a half later, they're right back into it. Yeah, it's definitely interesting to look at. Uh, you know, they're they're a team that I mean, you look at their their lineup. I mean, they added Hunter Renfro this year. You can't forget about that. He's got a, a 105 WRC plus. Um, you know, they added Kike Hernandez. Um, you know, those guys are both have both been pretty valuable. And, you know, it helps that J.D. Martinez, Andrew Bogarts, Rafael Devers are playing like their normal selves again and not like they did last year. I mean, I think Xander Bogarts was still good last year, but uh, J.D. Martinez was had a down year. Rafael Devers had a down year. So uh, definitely helps to see what they've what those guys have accomplished so far. And uh, I think this team is, you know, like I say, I think they're pretty good. So, yeah, and I, like you said, mentioned a little bit ago. The, the last team to get in right now would be the Yankees, and they would barely get in like minimal percentage points over the Kansas City Royals. Um, we've talked a lot about the Yankees' struggles this year, but the, just looking at this point, like even with the expanded playoffs, they would have been the last team to get in, and it shows like how bad it really has been so far this year. Yeah, the Yankees just have a, a bunch of issues right now. Injury-wise, it's been tough. They've had extended absences of Luke Voigt, extended absence of Giancarlo Stanton. Uh, they've had uh, you know issues on the mound with, with guys getting hurt. Kluber obviously was played pitching real well for them, you know, through that no hitter, and then the next start he gets pulled with a shoulder injury. Um, They've just they've had multitude. DJ LeMahieu, I believe, missed a little bit of time. They just had a multitude of injuries and issues, and uh, you know some of their guys who you expect to not be, you know, you expected to have a little bit of a bounce back. They've all turned out kind of or more their risky type players, like like a Gary Sanchez or a Gleyber Torres or something that, you know, they've been a little inconsistent. They've been good and bad. You, you know, you could either get elite production or no production out of them. They've really had the the poor, worst outcome out of all those types of guys. I mean, Glaber Torres hasn't been very good. Gary Sanchez hasn't been very good. In fact, Gary Sanchez was so bad he got benched for Kyle Higashioka. So I mean, uh, you look at the Yankees, and that's that's a that's a that's a little bit of their issue is, is more of I feel like you know some of that type of stuff. But I mean, they still have some of these guys coming back. I mean, they're gonna get Aaron Ju- Aaron Judge is playing well. They're gonna get Giancarlo Stanton back soon or hopefully soon. Um, they're going to get, I, I mean, they're, they're going to be fine. They're going to be absolutely fine. They still got a great bullpen. 
you know, Aroldis Chapman's out of his mind right now. Chad Green's been good this year. You look at their, you look at their rotation. They're going to get Severino back at some point, most likely. Um, you know, say what you want to about Domingo Herman. I don't like the guy because of the issues that he had, but he's pitched pretty well. Garrett Cole's Garrett Cole. I, I, I do think that that team will be fine uh, going forward. Yeah, absolutely. And like we had mentioned last week, especially that they're a team that look out for them to make a move, especially earlier if Brian Cashman thinks that they need to. Um, and, and right now it's looking like they might need to do that just to get a little bit more life into that club. But let's jump over to the AL Central and talk about how this, you know, this race and, and what it means for the playoff spots. You know, the, the White Sox are obviously the top of this division. But Cleveland, I mean, they're not far back. And I mean, we expect Cleveland to be good, but did we expect them to be this good so far? Um, the thing about Cleveland is that we they're almost a little bit like the Rays. I don't think they do it quite as well as the Rays, but they they do such a good job developing pitching that they could trade guys away like Trevor Bauer and uh, Mike Clevenger and guys like that. They can trade those guys away, Corey Kluber. They can trade all of them away, and then they're able to replace them with, with good good young arms because that's what they do. They, they, they're just really good at developing pitchers. And, um, you know, they look at their bullpen as well. Um, you know, they lose Brad Hand, and now you got Karen Chack and Emmanuel Classe out there just pitching their, out of their minds. So, um, you know, this is a team that their, their offense is going to be a problem. And especially in the outfield, this is a team that has for so long needed outfield help and they just have not been able to pull it, pull it together. And it's not from a, a, an extreme lack of effort. Um, you know, they could have made some more moves, but I mean, they have made moves. They've gone out, got Josh Naylor. They went out, got Fran Mil Reyes. Uh, you know, they've, they've, they've made some trades and, and tried to get outfielders. They've, they've called up different guys, signed different guys, you know, they're infield. They got Jose Ramirez still, um, you know, they, it's just the team that their offense is going to hold them back from. I think they're kind of at their ceiling right now. It's just about a 544 winning percentage, 31 and 26. You know, I think that would equate to something like a, you know, some an upper 80s win total for the season, which I think is kind of their ceiling. They have elite pitching and just not enough offense to carry them past the White Sox, who have been really good. Yeah, and we expected the White Sox to be right up there at the top of this division. We didn't expect the Twins. We've talked a bunch on this channel about the Twins' struggles so far this year. Um, but they currently have, I think it's the second worst record in the major leagues, if I'm not – oh, no, not second worst, but second worst in the AL, and that's tied with the Detroit Tigers. Yeah. Um, so very bad for Minnesota so far. But, you know, with the, the way that the current playoff format is looking right now, you would have Tampa, you'd have Chicago, you'd have Oakland winning the AL West by a game, and then the two wild card teams would be, I believe, Boston and if it Boston Houston. And Houston. Yeah. Boston and Houston. That's who it would be. Yeah. So if the season ended today, you would see the the Yankees, Blue Jays miss the playoffs. Um, so, but it, it's just one of those things where you know it. I mean, you look at the A's, and that, that feels like a small sample size type team right now to me. It feels like a team that's going to fade. Uh, I don't know if uh, I don't know if they've got the the depth to, to continue all year like this. And of uh, you know, for the Astros, um, you've got you've you've got some pretty good outcomes from from your guys who had rough years last year during the regular season, like 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 Altuve, Correa. Guriel's been really good this year. Bragman's been really good this year. You're getting those guys back to p playing well, and that's something that if you got all those guys back playing well, I felt like the Astros were going to be good, and and they they're showing it. I mean, they're I think they're they're just one game back right now, and um, obviously, you know, we're talking about the 60 games, and you know, the the eight team format we had last year, they would be in, and I believe that yeah, they'd be that second wildcard team this year. They'd be playing the Red Sox, so. Um, you know the Astros have gotten enough pitching so far, and you know they're gonna get uh, they're gonna get Framber Valdez back to 100% at some point. Uh, I know he's pitched a little bit, but uh, they need him back 100%. I mean they've got a good team right now, and uh, I know especially for a Dodger fan like yourself, it's, it sucks to say it, but I, I really do think the Astros are are good, and they're gonna be the team that prevails here as the season goes forward. No, yeah, they are. Um, you know we always expected them to bounce back. Like 
as much as we want to joke and make all the funs about the sign, you know, stealing scandal and all that, the Astros were still a good team before that. And the players were already very good players before that. Did that help them? Probably a little bit, but it doesn't take away from the fact that they were already good major league players beforehand. Um, and like you said, they got Fran Valdez back. Um, Luis Garcia, who we'll talk about in a little bit, um, has been really good for them so far as a rookie. Zach Greinke is still, you know, he still knows how to pitch. He, he's not the ace he once was. He's still but good. He, I mean, yeah, he's, but he's still perfectly good. fine. Yeah. yeah, and Lance McCullers has been decent. It's just the, the, the thing with them is that their pitching hasn't been that healthy. And you're starting to see those guys come back. I'm not sure where – is Jose or Kiki back? I'm not sure about that one. I'm not sure if he's back yet. But if he's not, that's another guy they're getting back. Um, and then, you know, there's been rumors, not sure how true they are, but at some point they might be able to get Verlander back. I don't know about that one. That's, but that's I, yeah. There's been some rumors like be, that he's yeah. trying to push for a bullpen thing. Not saying he's going to be a starter and not saying that he will come back, but they they might be able to get him back depending on how they recover. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to rule anything out, but, you know, at a, as a he's, what, 38, 39 now? Yeah. I mean, it, it's got to be tough for a 39 year old to heal that fast and, and for anybody to heal that fast from Tommy John, but no doubt a uh, 39 year old. And, and, and I mean, I, you know, obviously, you know, if he can pitch, they'd probably bring him back. Cause I don't think he'd be him or the team would be that worried about long-term shoulder or elbow exactly. injuries for him. I mean, if he gets another elbow injury, he's done anyways, and he's probably done in a year or two anyways, regardless of elbow issues. But, um, you know, obviously, you don't want it, him to get hurt, but yeah, it's uh, definitely a long shot. But yeah, it, yeah, no doubt. Is, yeah, I was gonna say, I, I really would be stunned if we saw Verlander this year, yeah. but we'll see. Maybe you never know. So yeah, the point of it being is that is that Houston's kind of getting healthier, and that we're not sure that Oakland's gonna be yeah. able to to really keep up that you know or, or keep up yeah. with Houston. They're I think Houston's just gonna get a little bit better over time. Yeah, um, absolutely. Well, let's jump over to the NL, um, kind of talk what's going on there. So right now, you know, through the old format, the, the playoff teams would be the Mets, uh, the Braves, Milwaukee, the Cubs, San Francisco, San Diego, and then the wild card teams would be the Cub or the Cardinals and the Dodgers. Yeah, see, that's another one. And that's just such a it's you know the short season and it goes to show how last year was such a weird season with with the 60 games and and the expanded playoffs i mean the small sample size i don't think the giants are going to stay this good all year you know they'd be they'd be what the they'd be the one seed they have the best record in baseball right now and you know that would be to me that that just seems really crazy that the giants would be the one seed in the in the nl because i don't think they're the best team i think they're a, a very 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 possible wild card team i really doubt that they are able to win the division because the dodgers are there but um you know i look at the uh look at the the, the cardinals too i mean uh, you know i think that you know i i was never that high on the cardinals but a lot of people picked them to win and you know, it's one of those things where they can they can show it, you know, the rest of the year, and they wouldn't have been able to do that in that 60-game season last year. So uh, it's interesting stuff to look at. But, um, you know, so far, interesting stuff. Uh, NL, uh, tight races all over the NL. The NL East, you know, every team's within seven games. And, uh, you know, obviously the, the top three, are, the bets pulled away just a tiny bit, but it's still close. Um, at the top and and then you know the central you got three four teams within four games and the east i mean the west you got three teams within three games so um very interesting and and this is going to be i think the side where you're really going to see the tight tight battles to get into the postseason or or get into the uh or win divisions so yeah absolutely um you know the looking at the 60 game mark from last season, I mean, looking at all these, it really puts this perspective of, you know, how lucky we were to have baseball last year, but how kind of lucky we are, or blessed, I should say, that we have a full season back and that we don't have to worry about this kind of format anymore. We're back to what normal baseball would be like. Yeah. Um, and, and these races all throughout, because, I mean, while this is, this is insane, 
I think I can speak for everyone that says like 162 game season. The, these races are going to be even more intense going down. Like, like, like you said, you don't expect the Giants to be the best team in baseball, or the best record, I should say. Through well, Tampa still has a better record of them. Okay, yeah, but, it's the best record in the National League. But yeah, I mean, even then, nobody expected that. I mean, yeah. everybody expected it to be a two horse race and the Dodgers and Padres to pull away. Um, yeah. And the Giants have overperformed a lot, but. But still, to this point, I mean, it's crazy seeing the Dodgers down in third place, you know, three games back, and they're, you know, technically they're tied. They'd be leading any other division, basically, yeah. in in the National League. Yeah, and, and if you look at the, the, the NL, uh, one other thing that uh, I think the NL's had most, most of the top teams have had their injury issues. You look at the yeah. Mets, you know, you've had DeGrom out, you've had McNeil out, you've had Conforto out. You've had tons of other guys out. The list goes on and on and on. The Braves, a lot of injuries. You know, you've had some games missed by Acuna, who he's played almost every game, but, you know, he's missed five or six games from, from injury. You have uh, – you've had bullpen, just absolute crazy injuries in the bullpen. You've had pitching injuries. Soroka, who you're expecting to get back in, in April, uh, is now looking like he might he might not pitch this year. You know, there's a – plethora of injuries in it for Atlanta. Chris Martin, they're really their only good right-handed reliever was out for a long time. You know, the Phillies missed Harper for a while. The Brewers, you know, Burns missed a couple starts. Gellish was out for a long time. Uh, you look at the uh, you look at the Cardinals now, Jack Flaherty's hurt. Yeah, Kane was out for the Brewers. The Cardinals, Jack Flaherty's hurt now. He's out for a, a couple months, possibly. Uh, you look at the West and, um, you know, the Padres missed Tatis for a while. Uh, they've missed Nelson Lamette for a while. Um, obviously, uh, Clevenger out for the year with with the uh, you know with the with the injury from last year, and then the Dodgers. You know, they missed Cody Bellinger for a long time. They missed several guys. So uh, it, it just it seems to me like a lot of this. It, you know, the Brewers lead the Central. The the uh, Giants lead the West. I mean, or the or the Cubs second in the Central. The Giants the West. Those two teams seem as two of the more surprising teams. I think, I think the Cubs, to me, aren't that surprising, but for a lot of people, they're very surprising. Those have been the teams that have stayed the most healthy, it seems like to me. Yeah, and, and that's why they're that's why they're up so, up so high and have good records. And you, know, you look at a lot of the other teams that have struggled, it's not the case. And the Giants are kind of getting bit by that now. Um, Evan Longoria is going to be out four to six weeks with a shoulder injury. That just happened yeah. this past week. Um, and he's been one of their better players this year so far. Um, so, it, like you said, a lot of the injuries have happened in the, the top teams of the NL. Um, and, it, you know, it's kind of flipped it on its head. So it, it's going to be interesting to see once everybody's getting healthy. Like you said, Atlanta's kind of getting healthy a little bit. The Mets have – they've got DeGrom back. They're still missing Conforto. I, I believe McNeil's still out. Or is he yeah, out? yeah I, think, I think he's out. J.D. Davis missed a lot of time too. Yeah, uh, Yelich just recently came back for the Brewers. Um, like you said, Flaherty just went on the I.L. with the oblique, so that'll be a while. But Tatis is back, and he's looking just as good as he was last year. Lamette is back, um, and he's pitched a couple games. We'll see you know, how that continues on because you never know with that elbow since he didn't get the, the reconstructive surgery. The Dodgers have started getting healthy. Bellinger is back. Gonsolin's coming back tomorrow. Um Seager's progressing, you know, but they've had him for, for most of the season at least. So it, it is going to be interesting to see what happens when, you know, kind of the injuries stop happening as much to these teams and it kind of levels out for everyone who kind of rises and who kind of falls and who was, you know, for real that team that was really good even though they might not have had the injuries or maybe they were really good and they had had injuries or something. So, yeah. Yeah. It just goes to show how the small sample size of the 60 game season, you know, yeah, it can be can be tough, but uh. And I don't know about you, but like last year when uh, through the sixty games, I was like, I, I, I mean, it went quick, but at the time I was like, man, this is actually it doesn't feel like it was that short. And then now we now that we know we have the hundred sixty two game season, I'm like looking here, I'm like, man, this is this was really short so far. Like, yeah. We're we're barely into just the getting season. started. Yeah. Yeah. We're not even a third of the way, or I guess we are a third of the way yeah. through now, but. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's insane. So, well, what we wanted to do is also kind of look at what our uh, our awards predictions were from the beginning of the year to what we kind of would be now with what we've seen so far. Um, you know, and obviously these aren't going to be the final 
awards or whatever, but it is it is fun to look at because of that 60-game season that we had last year, and it would kind of bring a little bit of a, a different spin to it. Um, so we'll start over in the American League, um, and who did you have for your American League MVP so far? So far, uh, for my AL MVP, I'm going to go with uh, Vlad Jr. Um, he has been absolutely incredible this year so far um, having his true breakout year um, he's hitting on the season a 333 average 436 on base percentage 662 slugging he's got 18 home runs 47 rbis this is in 57 games for him uh, his strikeout rate is only at 14.8 percent which to me is incredible for for a guy of his uh with his swing and his power uh, especially in this day and age. And then you have the, the 14% walk rate. So he, he walks a lot. He's patient, but he doesn't strike out a ton. 195 WRC plus. That's Mike Trout level stuff right there. And then, um, you know, 3.5 wins above replacement. He's actually been, I didn't even realize this when I was looking at him earlier, but he's actually been positive on the base paths, which to me for Vlad Jr. is that's pretty impressive to me. Um, you know, he's got a pretty high Babbitt, a, a 331, but that's something that is probably sustainable for him as hard as he hits the ball. Um, this is a guy who, you know, he was advertised to be this this type of player. And, I mean, he might, he's got a shot at, at, a, at being the first triple crown winner since Miguel Cabrera as of right now. I mean, he, he's got a legit shot at that. So Yeah, he really does. And, and that's a big improvement for Vlad. Like you said, a lot of people last year were kind of doubting – not, or not say doubting him, but they were like, man, is he going to be as good as we thought he was going to be? And then he he went on that massive diet this year. I think he what, lost 30 pounds or 50 pounds or something. And he's really come out. And his, I think his bat speed looks a lot faster. You know, that's due to losing that weight. But, I mean, Vlad Jr. has been fun to watch so far. Yeah, no doubt. He, he's, he's easily been the best player in the American League so far. Um, I don't know if we'd be saying that if Trout was playing, who was, I think, both of our pick, right? We both picked Trout, right? I believe so, yeah. We yeah. both picked Mike Trout to win the MVP. Yeah, so I don't know if he'd be doing this if uh, Mike Trout um, was playing, or if he'd be number one and everything. But uh, Mike Trout having been injured, which, um, you know, he was playing really well before injury. So I don't think we can both call ourselves wrong on that pick. Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, Guerrero – to me right now looks like you know he's got more he's got 0.7 wins above replacement more than the next best guy in the uh, kind of qualified guys in the american league i don't know where buxton sits because he's not he hasn't gotten enough at bats to qualify because of injury but um definitely definitely good stuff from uh, vladimir guerrero jr this year absolutely well i'm gonna kind of go a little off the board i wouldn't say off the board but a little bit of a weirder pick um for my MVP, and that's going to be Shohei Otani. Um, if you look at the pure batty numbers, you're going to say, what are you doing? I mean, he's only hitting 255 on the year, but he has 16 homers. He actually hit a 17th homer today. He has a 340 on base. He's got a 585 slugging, a 151 WRC+, plus, which is still really good, a 1.7 more, but that's just his batty numbers. If you look at it, he also has 42 innings pitched. He struck out 60 people. He has a 276 ERA. You know, he's striking out a lot of people. He The walks are still an issue, but he has a .9 war right there, so it's still a 2.6 war overall. And if I think he if he continues this on for a full season, and he's a guy who can – I mean, if he's already hit 17 homers now, we're not halfway through the season yet, who knows how many he can hit. Say he hits close to, to 35. And then he's still a guy who, you know, say the, the pitching numbers go to a three ERA. Say he's even a little bit worse pitching-wise. If you have a guy who's hit upwards of 30 homers and he also has a three ERA on the year, for, on the mound, and, and in a good amount of innings, I mean, he's at 42 right now. Say he pitches 110 innings and a three RA and he's got 30 to 35 homers. I think that's a guy who is going to be an interesting case for the MVP. You know, he might not blow it away with just the pure batting or the pure pitching, but putting those combined, the impact that he's making on the field, even though they are missing Mike Trout, and it's going to be one of those where Mike Trout's always dealt with for a while, the Angels aren't a good team around them um, right now. You know, they're, where are they? They're fourth in their division, you know, six and a half games out of a wild card spot or out of the division lead right now. 
but it, it's an interesting case and it's something that you know we've obviously never seen in our lifetime so we don't know how the voters would take that but I, i'm very surprised to see what if shohei otani can keep this up how legitimate of a case for mvp he would have yeah that, that's very interesting to talk about and and it is he is a guy who it's going to be interesting to see what what voters think of him and think of you know how they weigh his pitching versus hitting stats um you know if you look at it from a pure war standpoint which i think does a pretty good job uh, for a guy like shohei otani um you look at about uh what you said about 2.6 and uh you know he's so he'd be right up there in the conversation based on that maybe not quite at at the top you know based on his war but um but you know, on obviously, you know, he'd be 0.2 war behind second place, which I think he hit a home run tonight. So yeah. he might be second place in war now. So um, if you if you combine those, so interesting stuff. Um, like I said, like like you said, you, you like to see him if he can tone down the walks on the mound a little bit. I mean, he, you know, he could probably put up better numbers than he has so far on the mound too. So. Yeah. Um, and, and just to know. say that Homer tonight went 470 feet. Yeah. In yeah. So. Um, definitely <laughs> one of those talented players in the game and, and one of the most talented that, that's ever played the game, um, you know, and, and uniqueness for him, that, that, that factor and, and just the wow factor is, is something that, you know, goes off, hops off the page at you. Yeah. And I Looking, wonder, I wonder yeah. if that would, that wow factor would jump into the voters. I mean, we know how the entire world is pretty much enamored with Shohei Otani, but would that factor into the voters at all? I mean, that that's I mean, it's yeah. something we don't know. Yeah, it's it's interesting to think about, uh, but we'll see. It's it's hard to bet against a pitcher who's leading the leads the league in home runs. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, but anyways, we'll move on now. Uh, we'll go. Um, we'll go. We'll go. Rookie of the year next, and uh, in the in the National League. Um, or actually, we let's just we got, let's do the AL. Yeah. Oh, sorry. We got MVPs still. We got the NL MVPs. That's my bad. Oh, you want to do the uh, MVPs? Okay. Yeah. Let's hit the NL MVP here. And uh, who's your who's your pick for NL MVP so far? So I'm gonna go with Fernando Tatis Jr. Who was your pick before the season? Oh yeah. Um. So my <laughs> pick before the season was Francisco Lindor. Oof. Um. Yeah. Lindor has not been great this year, to say the least. Let me let me look up. Look up his uh his number. It was so not, it's not good. It's I not think he's good. A, I think he's up to the Mendoza he's, line now. He is batting two eighteen on the year with a uh, a six forty seven OPS. But he he has really turned around. His last two weeks he's hitting three eleven with an eight ninety six, yeah. and his last week he's hit three forty six with a nine eighty five OPS. So Francisco Lindor has turned around overall, but the season numbers, if you look at the overall right now, have not been really good for uh for my mvp pick and it gets better when we get to the cyan pick so just uh hold up on that one but uh, fernando tatis jr is the guy i picked for mvp um there's another obvious choice here but i kind of i kind of left it for matt so i'll let him talk about that in a little bit but tatis has been he's been good this year he's been you know we he missed that time with the shoulder but he's come back and he's looked just as good as ever He's batting 283, 366 on base, a 660 slugging. He has a 169 WRC plus. Uh, put that into perspective, where everybody thought he was the man last year and, and struggled a little bit down the stretch, which kind of cost him the MVP. He had a 149 WRC plus last year, and in his 60 games last year, or his 59 games, he had a 2.9 WAR. In 44 games so far this year, he's put up a 2.4 WAR. So he's right around there. You know, right around it in what? What's that? Fifteen less games. Yeah. And it's right around the same numbers. You know, he's hit exactly seventeen homers this season. What he hit last year. His RBIs are down just a little bit. He has more steals. His walk rate has gone up. His strikeout rate has gone up a little bit as well. But I mean, Tatis is. I mean, he's an amazing player. The where he might struggle is on defense. His defense has yep. been really, really awful this year. So the voters might look at that and say. You know, as good as you are with the bat, your defense has been hindering the team too much, and that's where he might lose a little bit. But, I mean, who knows? This guy could even go on a more toward pace than he already is right now. I mean, 283 at one time, you know, who knows? He might hit, go on a run and hit over 300. But Yeah, it's one of those things where, 
you know, I think the thing that's going to hurt him the most defensively is that the problems that he's had are with errors and throwing errors specifically, but just errors in general, really, too. But the, when you have error issues like he's had, uh, that's not, that's going to hurt you a lot with the old-fashioned voters. It's really the only defensive problems that can hurt you with the old school voters and it also doesn't help with the new new voter new school voters the sabermetric people too so you know i think that's going to hurt tatis a lot is kind of the the eye test that shortstop with errors because i think his numbers when it when you look at you know his his range stats and his uh you know defensive runs saved all that kind of stuff it's they're, they're not they're not great but he has such good range that they're they're not terrible the problem's going to be the the errors and uh you know that's something that he can you know that's something that he can fix i mean he could go you know six weeks without another error and then nobody will talk about it anymore so some of that type of errors that can be something that's streaky and something that you know changes throughout the season so uh but he's he's been very good um yeah as of, as of right now he's got a negative four defensive run save yeah. and he's got a negative 4.5 UZR, which yeah. over 150 games would be about a negative 19. Yeah, which that's not good, and and uh, yeah, the UZR that, that's really bad. But um, but it's something that especially the negative four DRS is something that I think you know if you cut down those errors, you know, you talk about long term and future wise. If he if he can eliminate the lapses, which are probably easy, it's easier to eliminate lapses than you know magically gain range or arm strength or something if he can eliminate the lapses then i think he'll be i think he'll be fine uh yeah, you know I, defensively but he's had he's had 15 errors already this year in yeah, 356 that's... innings when last year in 473 he had three errors yeah that's that's a that's a major yikes for me but yeah we'll see what happens um you know he, he it's hard to bet against him he's he's a he's a really exciting young player and uh my pick uh, here, the MVP, is another really exciting young player. Who, um, it's uh, Ronald Acuna Jr., uh, who went on an absolute crazy tear in April, and it's still been good here in uh, in the month of May and, and coming into starting into June now. Um, he's up to a 288 average, 395 on base, 621 slugging with a 170 WRC plus. So. Uh, really, really similar numbers to Tatis, actually. But uh, he's uh, now leads the, or he's tied for the lead in the National League in home runs. He had his 18th home run tonight. Um, you look at his, uh, you know, before tonight, he was up to 2.8 wins above replacement, which leads the National League. Uh, he's been good defensively in right field, uh, you know, right about a, a, an above average defender in right field. Uh, you know, the seven, the 18 home runs, I think would have led the national league. I think that was what the, the national league home run title was last year in the 60 game season. And, uh, I mean, the guy's just been incredible 11 stolen bases. So he, you know, he could have another shot at definitely a 30, 30 season, but I mean, you know, there was talk about the 40, 40 mark and I don't know if he's run enough to get to the 40, 40 mark, but, uh, he's, uh, he's definitely got a shot at that. If he keeps getting on base at the four, you know, almost 400 clip that he is right now. So, um, Big key for him this year is strikeouts have come down about eight percent from last year. So, um, so that's that's he's he's having a really good year so far. Yeah, it's a scary thought when Ronald Acuna Jr. decides to I'm just gonna stop striking out and just hit the ball very very far. Like it's insane. He's just getting better. I mean, he's still so young, but it, it's it's hard to imagine that a guy that is so good can just keep getting better. Yeah. Um, and it. it it blows my mind. I mean, he would he would be a very he was an obvious pick for MVP. I wanted to leave him for you a little bit so you could talk more about him because you watch him more. But it, it's he's kind of at the point right now where it's kind of like Mike Trout. You can kind of start writing him in as a, you know the leading yeah. candidate every single year. Yeah, he's 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 fairly similar to Mike Trout at the plate. He he's able to. And I'm not saying he's as good yet because he's he's not quite Mike Trout level yet, but he, he's he's similar in the fact that he's able to hit the ball so hard and to all fields enough to where the uh, a, a high strikeout rate, you know, being high being in the low to mid 20s, doesn't affect him that much with a- average wise, and he walks a ton, and uh, you know he hits a lot of homers, so he's able to. You know, run. I mean, he's running a pretty low BABIP. He's running a career low BABIP right now, and he's hitting 278. 
Um, you know, his his batting average on balls in play that is kind of expected with his with the way he hits the ball is in the 330 range. Right now, his batting average on balls in play is a 382. I mean a 282, excuse me. So he's uh, he's a roughly and his career average is 330. So he's roughly 50 points below his career average and batting average on balls in play. So I, I expect he's really hit into a lot of bad luck this year uh, to go along with his um you know his 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 stat line he's already got. So you could even see him start to hit hit even better, which to me is um you know he just he's unbelievable to watch it's, it really is a you know it really is fun to watch him but um moving on we don't want to spend too much time on these guys because uh we got other guys to talk about here too um we're gonna talk uh, i guess we'll do rookie of the years next yeah. um and uh we'll talk first about the american league rookie of the year which who is your pick and i believe you had the the obvious one right yeah, so I went with um, Luis Garcia of the Houston Astros. Uh, we we kind of talked about him a little bit earlier, but he's been he's been lights out so far this year for Houston. I don't know what happened to his pitch. There's only four back up so far. Um, so this year so far, he's got a two fifty or two seventy five ERA in fifty nine innings. He's got ten point three strikeouts per nine, two point nine walks per nine, um, and his his peripherals aren't as great as those numbers but i mean what he's been doing so far this year especially for the houston team like we talked about that it struggled a lot for pitching uh it's it's blown me away i mean he had pitched 12 innings in the majors before this year uh and had he was had a 292 era but his peripherals were even worse than they i mean you're looking at a 425 fifth and a 522 x fifth last year and he's brought that down to a 372 and a 393 which is very serviceable in the major leagues. Yeah, that's um, he's done. He's done very well. Um, you know, he's really helped stabilize that rotation as we talked about earlier. That has had so many injuries. But uh, guy, I picked. Um, I thought you were picking Adolis, and you went with Luis. So I'm gonna go oh. with Adolis. <laughs> but um, oh, that's right. I it, did have the wrong part. I'm sorry. Yeah, you did pick Luis. Yeah, but either way, uh, I think Adolis is the one that was kind of the. The, the, the guy that was really everyone's talked about uh, 16 home runs on the season um, you know 137 WRC plus um, I don't know if he's a guy that's going to keep it up at this level uh, he's actually played good defense too I didn't, I didn't realize that until I looked at him today he's, he's been a good defender but uh, I don't know if he's going to keep this this pace up this this pace he's up at right now is insane and I just don't think it's very sustainable but uh, you look at his um you know, his line, I mean, he's got a 137 WRC plus and, you know, all he's done is hit the ball really hard and hit home runs. So, um, he, he's a guy who, you know, the, the Rangers, it's a season that they really didn't have anybody they expected to break out this year. And you look at Adolis Garcia as a guy that said, you say, Hey, you know, he actually is breaking out in, in a way and he could be a very useful player for their future. So it's a very successful to find him for for, for, for Texas. But, uh, you know, very, very good job for him so far this year. Um, you know, it's been really crazy to watch, you know, the 16 home runs. It seems like he's hitting one just about every day. So uh, good for good for Adolis Garcia. Yeah, and, and sorry about that. I had Garcia at both of them, and I just – Looked at that one and saw Luis, and I went no, with it. It's it's all it's all notes. good because Adolis was my Adolis was my true pick. Yeah. For for the rookie of the year so far, <laughs> but but I, I didn't want to pick the same guy, so I went with someone else, and then it turns out, hey, I did get to pick Adolis. On, so on, on the bright side, we both picked a Garcia. Yeah, um, yeah, and I had picked Luis Garcia as a funny yeah. thing, so he had a flip flop. Yeah. So. Um, no, but what you were talking about, you know, he doesn't get on base a lot, but he is breaking out. You know, like you said, hundred well, one thirty seven WRC plus. But the big thing is, you said he's played solid defense. He's made 40 of those starts in center field. So yeah. he's playing solid defense in center field, where most of the time you would think a guy like this would probably be made more for corner outfield. Um, so really good to see from him. I mean, he was the he was technically my pick for, for rookie of the year, and I, I went off track there. But uh, Adolis has been... He's been really surprising this year. You know, a guy, I think he was DFA'd earlier this year by St. Louis, wasn't he? It was last year. Or last year. But, yeah, he was DFA'd last year, and then Texas picked him up. Yeah. So it's pretty surprising. Pretty surprising right there. But uh, 
let's jump over to our NL Rookie of the Year picks. In, in, in for our oh, yeah. previous picks, uh, my Rookie of the Year pick was Randy Rosarina for the for the AL before the season, and he's mm. he's been he's been good, but. Uh, I think some of the I don't think he's been quite as good so far as Adolis, but if I had to put money on it, I'd, I'd expect a Rosarina to probably be better the rest of the season. But uh, either way, you know, both been both been very good. And who who was your preseason? I picked Garrett Crochet. Okay, um, and I think he's been good, right? Yeah, he's in 17 innings. He has a, a .52 ERA and 20 strikeouts. The problem is that he's the reliever. Um, yeah. At at some point, I thought they were going to might have him start a couple games this year and that might help boost it. But, you know, with guys like Luis Garcia and Adolis doing what they're doing, there's not really a way to get a crochet yeah. to jump up there. Yeah. And, and that goes down to, that goes to show you too, that it, it's really, really difficult to pick rookie of the year specifically because you don't know how, how long these guys are going to be up, what their roles are going to be in the big leagues, even if they might have that talent. So, you know, like, like I, I'm sure a lot of people for rookie of the year would have picked, uh, Jared Kellenek, neither one of us did, but you never, you didn't know, you know, how long he was going to be in the minor leagues, how, when he, when he was going to make his debut, you know, how he was going to do when he got there is always a question mark. You talk about a minor league guy, but it, it's hard sometimes to pick your, pick your, uh, pick guys like that just because, just for that reason. So, yeah, well, let's jump over to the NL rookie of the years. And before we even jump into it, let's tell our prediction since I keep forgetting that, yeah. um, your I wonder NL, why you keep forgetting that one. Uh, oh, yeah, right. The uh, the NL Rookie of the Year, you picked Ian Anderson from the Atlanta Braves. And my NL Rookie of the Year I picked was Keith Ryan Hayes of the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, we're actually both deciding to pick the same person here, so I can't mix this name up. Uh, but we're going with Miami Marlins pitcher Trevor Rogers. Yeah, Trevor Rogers has been incredible. Just just a note on on the two guys that we picked uh, before the season. Um, you know, I kind of I kind of meant to talk about some of them. You know, a little bit before uh, before we picked our sixty game MVPs and stuff. But um, you you look at Cabrian Hayes, this guy who when he's played he's played really well. Um, but he's he's spent a lot of time injured so far this year. Um, and then Ian Anderson for, for the, from Atlanta has been good. Um, he just hasn't been quite as good as Trevor Rogers. So uh, Trevor Rogers, though, uh, he's been incredible, man. A, a guy who was he was a top prospect, but he wasn't like a he wasn't like a top fifty or anything. He was he was a top ten prospect in a good system. And uh, you know, anytime you have something like that, especially a lefty that throws hard, they can figure it out. And uh, he's figured it out so far this year. He, he's getting a lot of strikeouts, ten strikeouts per nine. Uh, three walks per nine, which is, is, is a good number for a rookie. Uh, 68 innings pitched. He has a 197 ERA. And while the, the peripherals aren't quite that crazy, it, they, they do back it up. A 249 uh, FIP and a uh, and a three a 344 XFIP that shows him being a little bit lucky on fly balls. But, um, but either way, I mean, this is a guy who has been really, really, really special. Uh, so far this year and just adds to the young talent that they, that they have on the mound there in Miami. I mean, Pablo Lopez has been good. Sandy Alcantara has been good. Uh, you know, they still got six though, who is banged up, but you know, he'll come back at some point. I don't think too many people doubt his talent. Um, you know, and you add a Trevor Rogers who you didn't expect to be like this to that list. And, and then, you know, you've got, you've still got guys down in the minors that are top prospects, uh, you just need to find a little bit of offense. You could have a pretty special team there in Miami. So uh, Trevor Rogers, uh, you know, by far to me, it's been rookie of the year in that national league. Yeah. And, and the Miami Marlins could have had the two, I mean, a battle for rookie of the year with the way jazz Chisholm has played. Yes. Um, yes. Had he not missed time with his hamstring injury and in that, but jazz Chisholm has been, been really good as well, but just kind of, you know, backing up your point with, with Rogers, you know, he's pitched 68 innings or 68 and two thirds innings this year. He has 81 strikeouts to 24 walks and he's given up three homers, um, you know, 15 earned runs on 51 hits. And that's a total of 273 batters faced like diving into those numbers. It's just insane. Especially from a guy like we will say it. We didn't even expect anything to hear about Trevor Rogers so far this year. And then, He's out here putting up a 197 ERA and you know 81 strikeouts and almost 70 innings. It's just absolutely insane. 
yeah, he he's he is special. Um, and you know, I don't know if he'll keep it up. You know, I don't know if the, the, the he'll be able to do it over a full season. I don't know if the there's a lot of different variables there with a rookie, but I mean, so far the guy's been incredible. But uh, we can move on now to the uh, Cy Young Award, which I'm bouncing off of Trevor Rogers. He would certainly be a candidate right now, although I don't think he's would be the top choice to many people. But uh, who was your uh, who was your Cy Young in the American League so far? So my Cy Young in the American League so far, uh, actually, let me let me say who our predictions were. Um, yes, yes. So your prediction was Shane Bieber, um, and yes. my prediction was Lucas Giolito. Um, both have been, you know, pretty good this year so far. Giolito struggled um, at times, but not quite up to the level of uh, of what we thought he was or what I thought he was going to be. But my my uh, AL Cy Young pick so far is Tyler Glass. Now um, he's pitched to a 2.69 ERA, a 3.05 FIP, and a 2.85 XFIP. So his peripherals pretty much back up what he's doing so far. He's got a 12.39 Ks per nine. And if you're looking at his 2.92 walks per nine, you'd still like to see that number come down a little bit. But if you look at his career, his career number is a 3.93. So he's lowered it over a walk per nine, um, you know, based on his career numbers. Um, he has, let me look at where to go. Um, I'm trying to find the exact number of what he had. Where did that page go? Um, can't find it right now, but he, he's been really good. I mean, he even had another start today that he struck out 11 more batters. Um, yeah. it's just, he, we, he's always been a guy that we knew had the talent. He just always struggled with command and walking people. And if he could lower that, like we've seen so far, and he's leading the Tampa Bay Rays, you know, he's the ace for them now that they traded Blake Snell, who we'll talk about in a minute, which I don't really want to, but glass now is, He's being the ace of that team, and, and it's kind of you know, – he's backed it up. Yeah, no doubt. Glassdown has been incredible. And uh, like you said, but, uh, you know, cutting those walks is really his his big deal. Um, you know, you look at a 292 walks per nine. I mean, anything anything under four for somebody like his uh, – with with his rates at, on the strikeouts and stuff is, is acceptable. But, um, you know, if you're under three, that, that's, pretty, that's a pretty solid number. And – Obviously, if he can lower it just a little bit more, he could be even even better. But um, you know, he he's a good he's he's a, he's been a really good pitcher so far. Um, I look at the uh, in the AL, and I mean, I I went ahead and went with Garrett Cole. Um, you know, he's been incredible so far. Uh, Twelve strikeouts per nine, one walk, one point three walks per nine. Those are both fantastic numbers. Um, he's got a two twenty six ERA and seventy five innings pitched on the season. Um, you know, 190 FIP. So he's really even been a little bit behind his peripherals. A 234 X FIP. He's his ground ball rate's a little bit better than it has been, which has been helping him a lot get the ball on the ground, especially in Yankee Stadium, where you know Garrett Cole's real weakness in his career has been the home run ball. And uh, Yankee Stadium, but he's typically for a pitcher would be uh, would not help with that home run ball. But um, you know, you look at uh, you look at what he's done and uh, getting that ball on the ground a little bit more is going to help with that issue. But uh, he's a good pitcher, and and he's been good for a long time. There's a reason he's a, you know, the three hundred million dollar pitcher. So, uh, but uh, I kind of had to go with him, pick the obvious. Uh, I think my pick was Shane Bieber before the season, and he's also been really good, three oh eight ERA, but um, two eighty eight FIP. So he, his walks are up a little bit, which you know a little bit worrisome because he's a guy who's such a walk, uh, a control command pitcher. Uh, he doesn't typically walk too many guys, but, uh, you know, he's still striking out over 13 per nine. So yeah. uh, hard to argue with that. And, uh, you know, his peripherals are, are outperforming his ERA, which is already still pretty good. So um, good stuff from uh, from Shane Bieber, too. But I had to go Garrett Cole here. But uh, looking at the uh, looking at the NL, who do you got? So my prediction was Blake Snell to start Oof. the season. Yours was Jacob DeGrom. Um, and my pick right now would be Jacob DeGrom. Um, DeGrom has just been absolutely insane. We've talked about him before, you know, coming out. He, he seemed to throw harder um, and, and is able to keep it up. This So far this year, he has a .62 ERA with a 102 FIP and a 152 XFIP for, in 58 innings, a 3.2 war. 
And he has, in 58 innings, he has 93 strikeouts in 58 innings. Incredible. Yeah, that it's just absolutely insane. He's given up 25 hits in 58 innings and four earned runs. Like, it, it what Jacob deGrom is doing right now is absolutely insane. He's striking out 14.4 batters per nine, and he's walking a 1.24 walks per nine. And he's allowing a 218 on batting average and balls in play. I mean, that guy's he's incredible. His velocity's up this year it, somehow. And, I mean, it, there's not too many too many words to describe what Jacob deGrom is. No. Uh, 58 innings and having 3.2 war. I mean, that just, just goes to show you. A 102 FIP. His, his .62 ERA is a little bit lucky, but it's not very lucky. <laughs> so, here's here's um, another stat that would blow your mind. He has, in his 58 innings, a 45.4% strikeout rate. He's almost striking out half the batters he's facing, yeah. and he's walking under 4%. Yeah, that's that's like peak, like a peak Hall of Fame reliever level stuff. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, but he's doing it for six, seven, eight innings a start. It's insane. Now to jump over to you know who I I did pick Blake Snell, his his ERA is a four eighty three. His his peripherals aren't that bad. You know his FIP is a three ninety four. His ex FIP is a three forty. Um, he's striking out thirteen point three per nine. His issue has been walks. He's walking, you know, 5.3 batters per nine. Um, he's given up a 308 batting average on balls in play. He's given up 45 hits um, with 30 runs, 29 earned runs, to and 32 walks to his 80 strikeouts. Um, it, it's just really been about his command and not being able to pitch deep into ball games, and then. You know, that's getting him into trouble when he's getting traffic on the bases, when he's handing out free passes, and he's given up, you know, his, uh, when he's given up a 308 batting average on balls in play, you know, his career mark is, is a little bit under that. But, you know, I thought he would, once getting that big trade to San Diego after he had got pulled early from the World Series, he'd want to, you know, put that chip on his shoulder a little bit and, come out and have a really good year. And over his last couple starts, he's pitched really good. He had a seven-inning shutout, or seven innings, zero runs, and I think double-digit strikeouts the other day. But he just – he wasn't up to what we thought Blake Snell was going to be coming over from that trade. Yeah, I I would agree with that that assessment. I mean, Blake Snell's a a guy who's a good pitcher, but, you know, for for one thing, there's a reason. Don't trade with the Rays. Uh, it usually doesn't turn out very well for you, even if it looks lopsided when it happens. <laughs> I mean, just ask the Cardinals with the Randy Rosarena trade, and, just, and you know Blake Snell for the, for the Padres, who he could end up still being really good. But um, if you're, you know, at the walks kill him, and and he's a guy who in the past his downfall has been command, and and really in the past it's been more of efficiency than anything else when it comes to his command. Um, you know, he hasn't had the super, he's, he's had high walks, but not like this. Um, but it, it's one of those things where, you know, his efficiency was bad and that's why he didn't have that many games where he pitched a lot of innings last year and he was right. complaining about it. Now he's in San Diego and he's not pitching many innings because he's walking guys and, so you to, know, to, to kind of put, a gazillion pitches, put so. that in a little bit more perspective last year in 50 innings, he walked 18 batters. In 54 innings so far this year, he's walked 32. Yeah, so definitely something to, to look at. And, um, you know, not a good trend for him, but we'll see. Maybe he can straighten it out a little bit second half of the season. But uh, the guy I picked for Cy Young was uh, Brandon Woodruff. I, You know, before the season, I picked Jacob deGrom. If I had to be completely honest, I probably would still pick Jacob deGrom. But we're doing awards for at the 60-game point, not necessarily awards for who we think is going to win it. I think Jacob deGrom is going to win it. But, uh, you know, but Jacob deGrom's also missed a couple starts. So I figured I'd go with a guy who hasn't missed any starts. Um, and Brandon Woodruff has been really good. Um, you know, over, over almost 11 strikeouts per nine, just two walks per nine. Um, you know, he's been 
<laughs> he's been so good. He's got a 142 ERA, which I believe is second to Jacob De third to Jacob Degrom and Kevin Gossman actually is the second ERA. He, who's another guy we could talk about in this this conversation this year. Uh, 220 FIP. Uh, 268 xFIP. You know he's a guy who gets the ball on the ground pretty well. 46% clip. Um, combine with that with the strikeouts and strikeouts and the lack of walks. And you've got a, a really good, uh, really good pitcher. And um, if it wasn't for him, and and, and the I can't forget the, the contribution that Corbin Burns has made for Milwaukee as well. Who he's got a 197 ERA, but his peripherals actually line up pretty closely to Jacob Degrom so far this year. Um, you know, but he's also missed a couple starts in, in 59 innings. I, I went with a guy with 76 innings pitched so far, and uh, but it, very interesting stuff. Um, you know, Brandon Woodruff. You know, just keep doing what you're doing. It, it's just three years in a row that he's done this, and nobody talks about him. It seems like it seems like he's overshadowed all the time by somebody, whether it's his teammate Corbin Burns having that ridiculous streak to start the season with the you know, 59 walks or whatever, or no strike and no, uh, 59 strikeouts, no walks, whatever it was, you know, or Jacob DeGrom putting up some crazy numbers or, or something, you know, it seems like Brandon Woodruff never gets talked about enough as, as being a true ace. And that's what he is, is a true ace. So. Yeah. Woodruff is, he's really, really good. I've, I've known that for a couple of years, especially that playoff series against the Dodgers that really opened my eyes to what Brandon Woodruff was. I believe it was 2018 was the year that was, is that um, when he hit the home run off the Yeah, that's when okay. he – I was getting ready. Actually, I was watching the game in the airport, getting ready to fly back to New York, and he hit that homer, and I turned it off at that point. Um, and, <laughs> and, you know, I watched the game back later on once I got to where I was going, and he was just dominating. And I was like, who is this guy? And, you know, that I kind of put him on my radar, and ever since then I've kind of watched him a little bit more and more. And he's just got better since that point. Um, and, and, you know, adding adding Corbin Burns to that makes that top of the rotation very nasty in, in, uh, in Milwaukee. But Woodruff is, like you said, his peripherals aren't quite what his ERA is, but, I mean, they're, really good. they're still really, really good yeah. too. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see if they can, over a full season, you know, if some of these guys do miss starts, and he's always been a guy who's been really durable and, and taking the ball. Um you know what could happen? Yep, I no doubt. So we'll see what happens with uh, with these guys. Obviously, like like we said, uh, this is one of those things where I thought this was really interesting to do because 60 games season last year. I thought it was a good time to kind of revisit what we talked about before the season and just kind of goes to show you what what the when it comes to uh, when it comes to these awards and these player performances and team performances too, how the shortened season last year, how small a sample size that really was. Cause I bet at the end of the season in some of these races, I don't know about in the old, uh, Cy Young race, we're talking about, you know, Cole and DeGrom. And De I think those guys are going to be up there all year, but some of these guys, like especially rookie of the year, uh, you know, maybe the MVP, maybe Acuna goes cold for a couple weeks or Guerrero goes cold or something. Uh, you start talking about some of this stuff and, uh, you know, it ends up changing. And, you know, you can see completely different types of players up there before the end of the season. You could have a guy that just goes ballistic in the second half and, and gives themselves a chance at it. So um, very interesting stuff. Uh, but real quick, before we before we finish this episode up, we're already running kind of long. Uh, let's talk about our players of the week. And uh, who did you have for the year uh, position player? So my hitter of the week I picked was Cedric Mullins. Uh, he batted 600 this week with 667 on base, a 1,200 slugging for a 394 WRC+. Plus. He had three homers, four RBIs, and seven runs. Um, pretty much the lone bright spot for what the Baltimore Orioles have had so far this year. Uh, Mancini's looked really good as well. You know, John Means, he just went on the IL. Um, but Cedric Mullins is a guy who – he hadn't got much run, and now that he's doing it, he's playing really well. He's obviously not this style of a hitter, but, you know, Cedric Mullins is a nice bright spot for for Baltimore and, and hopefully a guy that we can uh, – for our buddy Hank that likes the Orioles can uh, keep giving him that bright spot. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I echo everything you said. He's been, he's been really good this year. Uh, my hitter of the week, uh, I'm going to go with Jonathan India. I remember watching him in college in Florida, and he was really good. 
and I thought this guy might have a chance to get to the majors, and he he certainly has this year. Broken in with the with the Reds, and uh, this week hit 500 with a 619 uh, on base, 1,000 slugging, just two home runs, but a 19% walk rate. So one out of every five at bats or plate appearances has been a walk, and uh, hadn't struck out much, only five percent. Um, I like Jonathan India. I think he's got a good future ahead of him as a as a solid everyday player um, in in the big leagues, and uh, you know he's playing playing well this year. So um, you know, good good stuff for the Cincinnati Reds. But uh, you want to talk about first your uh, your pitcher of the week? Yeah. So this is uh, I've, I've already talked about my pitcher of the week. Ironically, uh, I picked Luis Garcia. So this is where the whole Gar- Luis Garcia thing came in. Why I had his uh, his page up earlier, but. Um, 13 innings pitched over these this week, eight hits, two earned runs, three walks, 14 strikeouts. Um, I believe that is for a 0.64 um, for the week. So I already talked a lot about Luis Garcia, but a really good uh, week for uh, for the starter for the Houston Astros. Yeah, that's, he's he's very good. But uh, I typically when I do my pitchers of the week, I typically like um, to look at guys who had two starts uh, a little bit more of sample size and, um, you know it's easy to have one or everyone has one good start every now and then but having two is tough but I just couldn't this week I couldn't shy away from what Corbin Burns did in his one start of course we know it's not just small sample size with him he's always good but uh, seven innings 13 strikeouts no walks uh, four hits no runs Does sound familiar it's basically every outing he's had this year yeah. <laughs> um, just uh, insane this guy is, like I said, I mean, you look at his peripherals and stuff. He's right there with Jacob DeGrom. He actually has a better fit than Jacob DeGrom. Um, so his ex fit's not quite as good, but uh, he hits the ball on the ground. And t- I, I just don't understand how this guy, I mean, uh, 96, 97, 98 mile an hour cutters that with tons of movement mm-hmm. and also a big sinker, good slider. And he, and he's got the command now and, you know, one walk per nine on the season, but the, the seven this week, you know, it's just another J- Corbin Burns outing, and I figured to highlight him once again. It seems like we're doing just about every week right now, but I couldn't, yeah. just couldn't, couldn't resist. So. Seems like we're always highlighting Corbin Burns yeah. and no Jacob DeGrom, and <laughs> but they're 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 making us do it. That that's the yeah. thing is we're it's, highlighting them for a reason. It's because yeah. they're good. The so. same names, but anyways, this was a little bit of a longer episode, but uh, I think it was a good one. We you know good. To, it was very interesting to dive into what the what it would look like, you know, based on last year's 60 game season to what we've seen so far this year, and kind of compare the two, and then look at what our predictions were and how bad and awful mine really were for the full season to what's happened so far. But it was, uh, I can admit when I was wrong, God, I was wrong big time on those yeah. ones. So let I don't know, let's see what a 162 Francisco Lindor could still win MVP. All right. Yeah. Maybe. That's Not the maybe. that's the beauty of the 162 game season. You know, we've been yeah. talking about like he's a he's a perfect example of a guy who's had a bad two months to his standards, but his you know his, his at least his plate discipline numbers are pretty good. So if he can you know keep if he can start hitting the ball and finding holes and maybe hitting it a little bit harder, you know, get it up in the air a little bit more, different stuff like that, then you know he might end up being. You know, he might end up winning winning the MVP. You never know. He, he could just go on a tear for a month or two, and all of a sudden he's sitting there he's at the right. 300 average. I mean, it's, you just never know. So. Right back in the conversation. That, that's the beauty. Yep. Like you said, we're only 60 games in. You got a 102 yep. to go. So. Yep. But anyways, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Batflip Podcast, and we'll catch you guys next week. Thanks, everybody.